Well, good morning, and bring you greetings from Shenandoah this morning, and also greet you in the precious name of Jesus, the one or the reason why we are gathered together. Always good to come back to Myerstown, see many familiar faces, and some new faces each time as well, so good to be with you all. Also, a beautiful drive down this morning. With weather like this, we know things are going to change soon, right? Grass will soon start getting green. We'll see signs of spring, exciting time of the year. Ray, I appreciated your devotional. We are so blessed, are we not, if we stop and reflect on the many blessings that God has poured out on us. You can turn your Bibles to James chapter 4. I'd like to bring a message from that chapter, actually the end of chapter 4 into chapter 5. I've been preaching through the book of James at Shenandoah. I believe the last message, I looked back some. When I was here last, I believe I had a message from James chapter 2. James is a very interesting book, a very practical book. And a book that we should read often. It's a short book, and yet we can receive much good practical instruction in how we are to live our Christian life. I find it interesting. So James was, this was likely the half-brother of Jesus that wrote this book. And he did not truly follow Jesus until after the resurrection. So James grew up with Jesus, lived in the same household, and yet really didn't recognize Jesus for who he was until after the resurrection, he devoted his life to following Jesus and gave us much instruction in how we are to live our life as Christians. James asks a question here in, these, in, these, in this passage. He says, what is your life? And that's what I would really like to think about this morning. I'd like to hear from you. What is your life? What, is, what does James follow up with? Someone shout it out. A vapor. Yes. James chapter 4, verse 14. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. I know sometimes we are, or most of you, or if not all of you, sometimes scripture really, maybe it's a verse that you read, it really jumps out at you or hits home to you. This is a phrase that, especially during my youth, I, could, I, I wrestled with. For what is your life? It is a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. I don't know how much that verse stands out at you. But just to reflect on that a little bit. Our life being like a vapor. A vapor is short, right? We don't see a vapor very long. And to illustrate it a little bit... I don't know how well you'll be able to see this, but I have water in this bottle. To think about our life, so the the ESV, English Standard Version, says your life is a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. So here, when I spray this water, probably can't see it. There's a little mist of water that comes out, and then it fades away in just a few seconds. James says our life is a mist or a vapor that there for a little bit and then it's gone. And just to give us another visual, hopefully you can see that on the wall, I would like to think about our life on earth as a line. So the 
horizontal line. Think about, well then I have some vertical lines, just these short lines on this end here. Think about our life that we are granted on earth. Now, none of us know how long we're going to live our life. And I found it interesting, the Sunday school lesson, Tony, you talked about to say, if the Lord wills or Lord willing. We don't know what this afternoon will bring, what tonight will bring. We don't know what this week will bring. There are times when a life is taken very suddenly. But to think about our life, those short lines there, think about them as those increments as 10 years. So again, we don't know how long God will give us, but I have those lines on there representing about 100 years. Now, most of us, if the Lord tarries, probably won't make it to 100 years old. Maybe 70 or 80 years. We don't know, on average, what our lifespan will look like. And a congregation this size, it's very possible that some of us won't even get to being close to that age. Or will our line end altogether when the Lord returns? We don't know what it's going to look like. But why does James say our life is like a vapor? I believe he had eternity in mind. When you think about our life on earth compared to eternity. So if those lines represent a hundred years, this other line is going to, I had to stop it there because I can't keep it going, but that's a never ending line. And our finite minds can't fathom eternally. At least I can't when I stop to reflect on it that I'm either going to be, each one of us, are either going to be forever with God or forever separated from God. That's really sobering to think about. And this little space in here is what determines, and how we live this life, it determines on where we will spend the rest of that line, that never-ending line. Very sobering to think about. And I mentioned already that we don't know what the future holds. I remember it was October 17, 2015. I was duck hunting with a close friend, and I got news of a very tragic accident that morning. There was a man that I knew, and I didn't know him very well, but he was about my age. Earlier that morning, he was traveling with his wife. They had three children. They were Their fourth child was soon to be born. And they were traveling in an area that he wasn't very familiar with, and he went through a stop sign, and he was hit by a, another, or a vehicle coming the other, or I think they were T-boned. His wife and the unborn child were killed instantly, as well as, I believe, there, there was three that, yeah, it was another child that was killed instantly. The husband was, the man I knew, was critically injured, taken to the hospital, and ten days later, he died. And just thinking about that, like the unknowns that life sometimes bring us, that's so tragic. There was a family of soon-to-be six, down to two living children. The rest were killed from that accident. But the fact is, none of us here this morning know what life will look like for us. And I'm not saying that to just make everyone feel alarmed or to, for us to live in fear, but it's reality. We don't know what the future holds, and it matters how we live this life. So the title this morning, the message is, Your Life is a Vapor. And again, I'm going to just look at a few for this end of, end of James chapter 4 and then go into chapter 5 as well. 
It was James is not the one who broke down these chapters. It was later that man came along and gave some or gave the Bible chapters so we can find the scriptures easy or more easily. But I think these verses in chapter five are connected to what James was sharing in chapter four as well. So I'd like to read verses 13, James chapter four, start at verse 13 and read through chapter five to verse six. James says, go to now, or it could say, come now, you that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And then chapter 5, Go to, or come now, you rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, or your gold and silver has corroded and the rest of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have reaped treasure together for the last days. Behold the hire, or the wages of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of the Sabaoth, or Lord of hosts, Verse 5, you have lived in pleasure on the earth and have been wanton, or you have lived in indulgence. You have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. And I'll stop reading there. I'd like to just look at two points this morning for the message. The first point is foolish planning and its consequences. So James doesn't use the word foolish here. But the one who lives his life as they have it in control and just makes plans without recognizing that God is actually the, the giver of life, it's, that is foolishness. And then James talks about the consequences. Then the second point is wise planning and careful living. So James does not use, I don't think he uses the word wise here either, but a wise person recognizes that Life is fragile, that life is uncertain, and if the Lord wills, we will do this or we will do that, and we can make plans, but recognize that God is in control. Along with that, and careful living, we ought to live carefully when we think about our life on earth just being this short span or a vapor. Thinking again about that line, I realize that for some of you, maybe especially younger ones, you don't think of your life as all that short or like a vapor. And you might be excited for the next thing that you're just waiting for, to turn a certain age or to get your driver's license, and it might seem to take so long. So life might not feel like a vapor. It might feel very long. But my guess would be, and I find it interesting, that the older we Yet, that we often think of it more as we would say, yes, life is short. Life is, in a sense, like a vapor. And I'm guessing some of you older ones here would see it more as, as you reflect back over your life, you know, it's just this mist here for a little bit, and 
it's soon gone. Now, obviously, our vapor for us here this morning, it's not over yet or we wouldn't be here. Our vapor is still there, but it is short. And what I really want to drive home this morning, I want us to remember that life is a vapor, so we make wise choices in the time we are given. So it matters how we live the vapor that we are given. So moving to the first point, foolish planning and its consequences. So James is calling out or he's rebuking some businessmen for the way that they were making their plans. So verse 13, he says, Come now, you that say today or tomorrow we'll go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain." Now, this sounds like wise business planning, right? For those of you who own a business, you can't continue running a business without gain, right? You need to make a profit. So why is James calling them out for this? The problem was not that they were planning ahead. So their plans to go to a certain city and make a gain, that wasn't wrong in of itself. The problem wasn't that they were hoping to make a profit. That wasn't the problem either. So what was the problem? It appears that James was a, they were focused more on riches and pleasure instead of aligning their lives to God's will. And I have a picture up here that I'd like to show as well. I don't know if you've ever seen that picture. Life is short, or, or it is only a short trip. Enjoy it. And I don't know what comes to your mind when you see that picture. I've seen this picture some time ago, and I'd like to push back a little bit to what this message is conveying. Now, there's, I want to be clear as well. I don't think it's wrong to enjoy life. I think we should enjoy life. But I think what this message is conveying to a lot of people, so there's a young boy looking into a mirror, and the reflection is this older man. So it's portraying the, what I'm talking about this morning. Life is short. Life is a vapor. It goes by quickly. We're young, and then we're soon an older person. Life is short, or it's only a short trip to enjoy it. The world can look at this and often thinks they they live life for what they can get out of it, for pleasure, for gain, for riches, and forget some of the most important things of life. And that's what I'm pushing back a little bit this morning against this picture. It's only a short trip. Should we enjoy it? Yes, but there's much more to life than about what I can get out of life. We should think seriously about what God wants from our life. So just a few points under this, or subpoints under the foolish planning and its consequences. So a foolish person is self-seeking rather than God-seeking. And I think we see that in verse 16. James says, to boast, says you rejoice in your boastings, or the ESV says to boast in your arrogance. So they were making these plans, maybe without really thinking about what their life really is. They were making their plans to go into such a city, make profit, move to the next, and make more profit, and then then they're boasting in their accomplishments. So Carol is planning without seeking God and his will, and to pride ourselves of our own own accomplishments is sin. To just make our plans ourselves, be boastful about what we have done, what I've accomplished, it is sin. So self-seeking, a foolish person is self-seeking rather than God-seeking. And then chapter 5, James continues to address the rich. So 
what did the rich look like in the, the time that James was, or the people that James was addressing? So if you read the, the entire book of James, it doesn't take that long to read it. He gives, again, a lot of practical instruction. And then chapter 4, he, there was definitely some, he was writing to the, the, the early church, new believers, the scattered church. But he was seeing some things in there, I believe the way the rich were treating the poor, that he was not okay with, and he was calling them out. And James chapter 4 in the beginning, he said, from whence, from where do wars and fightings come from? They come from within when we are from our own lust. You desire to have or you lust, you kill, desire to have and cannot, you fight and war, you have not because you ask not. So there was a problem here that James was addressing, and he was calling out the rich for what they were doing. So thinking about the rich again, what does a rich person look like? Well, would you class yourself as a rich person? That being rich is somewhat of a, a relative term. You know, we might think of ourselves as rich if we compare ourselves to some people in the world. We're very rich. If we compare ourselves to people that are much wealthier than us, we can think of ourselves as poor, right? Well, in the ancient world, wealth was often seen in three ways. Or there was, in the, yeah, three different types. Stores of grain, expensive garments, and precious metals. And that is some of the things that James was addressing here in chapter 5. So today's wealth is not always as visible as it was back then. With stock markets and bonds and things like that, you can have maybe a rich person that doesn't really, or it's not always visible. So James is not denouncing wealth in its own right, and neither is he condemning people for being rich, but rather it's the abuse of wealth that James is addressing. The first six verses of James chapter 5 is announcing God's judgment upon those who dishonestly acquire wealth, those who oppress the poor, and those who live wastefully. And then... Verse 1 in chapter 5, James uses the words weep and howl. And this indicates a spirit of anguish because of coming judgment, not because a sorrow over sin. So the, the people that live their life simply seeking to enjoy this life for their own pleasures, there's a day coming when James says they're going to weep and howl for the miseries that come upon them. So thinking about... The foolish planning and its consequences. One of the consequences will be a foolish person will experience misery at judgment, and that's what we see there in verse 1 of chapter 5. At judgment, wrongs will be righted, and punishment will be given to those who abuse the wealth that they were given. So God cares how we handle the wealth or the possessions that are given to us or that we accumulate. And then verses 2 and 3, the men James was calling out, James was calling out the wealth that was rotting in their storehouses. They were hoarding far more than they could ever use. So a foolish person hoards material possessions. And maybe you've seen places where they, people had lots of possessions and maybe it was sitting outside because they didn't even have buildings to put it in and it's out there just rusting away not really benefiting anybody, but they're just hoarding material possessions. And James is speaking out against that. While there's 
poor among them. They're not moved by the poor among them and giving to the poor, but rather they're simply hoarding possessions for themselves. And in verse 2, James says, Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. So it is foolish planning to spend a lifetime hoarding material possessions that no one will ever use and note that no one will be benefited from. And again, the, this judgment that's coming on the poor is not simply, or rather on the, sorry, on the rich, is not simply because of the riches, but rather because of the sins often associated with them as well. So a foolish person is unjust to others. And if I understand verse 4 right, what they were doing at times, so back then when they had people come work for them, they would often pay them at the end of each day. So if someone came to work, work for them to help maybe gather in the crops, at the end of the day, rather than paying what they agreed to pay them, sometimes the rich would just take advantage of them and not even pay them. They would treat them unfairly. And many people lived day to day for their food back then. So if they weren't paid for their day's work, well, that meant possibly not eating for them that day, possibly not eat, their family not eating. And again, James is calling them out for their unjust ways, for their unjust schemes they used to accumulate their own riches. Now, I'd like to move to the second point and spend some time on here. I realize I'm not going through this exactly how it's laid out here in Scripture, but second point, wise planning and careful living. Now, I have this picture up here again. I changed it just slightly. Life is short. Live it wisely. So rather than thinking about just enjoying life or seeking pleasures for self, we should recognize that life is short and we should be motivated to live it wisely. So wise planning and careful living. So a wise person or God-fearing person recognizes or lives with an awareness that life is a vapor, as James says in verse 14. So again, thinking about planning, so James says the rich, they were planning to go into such a city, make a profit. So planning is not wrong. Planning is good. We should plan, but also plan recognizing that if the Lord wills, if God allows, we will do this or do that. A number of years ago, I had a coworker that at the end of each day, we would you know, usually say, see you tomorrow during the work day. And he often would respond with, yes, Lord willing. And at the time, I appreciated what he said in recognizing Lord willing. But at the same time, I, I was like, you know, I thought it was a little interesting that he often used that. But now, or I, as I get older, I think I appreciate it more. And I am not suggesting that we attach Lord willing to everything. There's no magical power that if we attach Lord willing to everything that God will allow us to do it. But yet we should live with that mentality or that awareness that we will do this or we will do that. We make plans, but recognize if God allows. Recognize that our time, our life, our vapor is all in God's hands. Proverbs 27.1 tells us we should not boast of tomorrow, for we don't know what a day will bring forth. 
So a proverb there as well, recognizing that, or that verse in Proverbs, don't boast about our about your plans, what you're going to accomplish, because we don't know what tomorrow will bring. If we think about, that was some good water, some spiked water possibly. <laughs> Josh, I got to talk to you afterwards. <laughs> some fizz in that. It's all good. <laughs> just took me by surprise. Again, thinking about our life, there's a lot of things that happen in life that are out of our control. And Ray talked about God, the verse in the Bible, was it Isaiah or Jeremiah, about God's plans to prosper us. God, do, do, God does have plans for us. God does have things he wants us to do. And yet... We are all living in a world that has been affected by sin. And I believe God grieves with us when we go through times of difficulty, when we go through times of tragedy, just like that family that was four lives taken instantly. I believe God was grieving during that time. So we live in a world, although God does have plans for us, we're not exempt. Christ followers are not exempt from tragic things that happen. And to live with that awareness that, yes, God has plans for us, but yet we live in a fallen world and life can, a life can be taken just like that. Just recently, there was a 24-year-old young man that died in his sleep. Tragic. So sad. You, we look at a life like that, we think there was so much future ahead of him, and yet his vapor ended just like that. And yet, again, thinking about that line and looking at the scale on that, life is... Show so short. So whether God allows someone to live 10 years or 100 years, in the grand scheme of things, it's still all just a short vapor that we're given. And just thinking about how fragile our life really is, you probably, or almost all of you, got in a vehicle this morning to drive to church. You ever think about it as you're driving on the road and how many cars you pass going the opposite way, all it would take you, you, you trust the other drivers, right? You, you trust each other that they'll stay on their side, I'll stay on my side. But when you're, when you're passing someone going 50 or 60 miles an hour, all it takes is for something to happen. If two vehicles hit head on, a life can be taken just like that. Thinking again about how fragile life really is and to live with an awareness that life is a gift and life is also fragile. What about our hearts? I don't often, I take it for granted that my heart continues to beat. But one day, our heart will stop beating. Sometimes people's hearts fail. They stop beating. And if the heart fails, unless help is given right away, death will come very quickly. Thinking about our brains and how they work, and yet a tiny blood clot in our brain can cause death instantly if we're, again, if we're not, if we don't get help in time. Our life is fragile. So again, thinking about verse 15, for you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. Again, as you wake up tomorrow morning, you probably have a, you, pro you might already have plans for tomorrow. But to live with the awareness that if the Lord wills, we will do this or we will do that. I'm not following up here with my slide. So a wise person is God seeking 
rather than self-seeking. Thinking about verse 15, they're, they live with the awareness that their life is in God's hands. A wise person seeks what God wants rather than simply choosing to, or looking to live a uh, life of enjoyment. A wise person recognizes that life is in God's hands. And then moving on here in this passage in James chapter 4, I don't know how often you reflect on verse 17, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So sin isn't just what we do that we shouldn't be doing, but sin can also be something that we should be doing that we're not. I don't know what James had in mind when he wrote this. Was he thinking about the rich? Was he seeing the poor living among the rich? Was he seeing the, accu the accumulation of the rich and their stuff just rusting away and the moths eating the food and seeing the poor living around them? I imagine that's maybe what he was seeing a little bit. And James is saying, if you know the right thing to do, the right thing in that situation would be to help the poor around them. How many times do I, how many times do you, fail to do the right thing. And this is convicting to myself as well. A wise person strives to do what is right, thinking about wise planning and careful living. Again, that first picture, recognizing that life is short and just looking for, rather than just looking for an easy life or life of enjoyment, we should be thinking about how God wants us to live our life. So there are sins of commission, things that we do, but there's also sins of omission. Sin of commission, this involves the willful act of doing something that violates God's word or God's commands. So for example, if we are gossiping, that's a sin of commission, something that we are committing. If we are lying, that's a sin of commission, something that we are doing. A sin of omission, on the other hand, is involves not doing what is right or failing to do as instructed. And maybe for an example of that, Jesus told the parable of the, the men that were given the talents, five talents, or the, uh, the one talent. He was rebuked, not because, well, he was rebuked for not doing something with the talent that he was given. He, rather, he went and buried it when he should have been doing something with it. Another example would be the Good Samaritan. So the priest and the Levite, they did not do. They were called out for, they, they did not do what they should have done. They did not do the right thing. So we can sin, we can commit sin by not doing what we ought to do. And like I said, this is, this is convicting for myself. How many times did I feel God's Spirit speaking to me to do something, to help someone or to share the gospel with someone and I failed to do it? Was I committing a sin of omission, failing to do the right thing? And I think we could all recognize a need for growth in this and, and doing what God wants us to do, doing what God has for us to do. And this is hard. This is hard at times. Sometimes we're called to do things that we don't feel qualified. Sometimes we're called to do something at an inconvenient time but to do the right thing. So someone that, a wise person, that is living, living wisely or living carefully, so when they're called to do something, 
If we think back to, you know, I'm only given this short opportunity, this, this vapor of life that I'm, that I'm given, one day it's going to be over. It should motivate us or help us to do the right thing. Ephesians 5 says that we are to redeem the time. That word redeem, meaning, or that, that phrase, to make the best use of time. Do you make the best use of your time? That's hard to do sometimes, right? It's hard to always make the best use of time. But again, thinking about our life and that vapor that we are given, God calls us to walk carefully, or to walk circumspectly, meaning carefully, to live our life carefully. So, in conclusion, thinking about our life, our life being a vapor, again, I want us to think back to that line that I put up there. Our life is pretty short. We don't know how much time God will give us. And to choose to make wise choices. And I want to put both these pictures up here. And I want us to think, each of us, I want us to think about our life and how you are living your life. Are you living for the best life now? Seeking earthly riches? I trust I'm speaking to people who, like the second picture, they re you recognize life is short, life is a gift, and life is fragile. And that you are choosing to live it wisely. And the verses prior that I did not read in James chapter 4 are really good verses talking about God gives, gives us grace. I look back over my life and I am not deserving of what God has done for me. I don't have the answers to why are some lives, why are some people's lives suddenly snatched, taken away by a tragic accident, especially when they weren't living right. God could have taken my life at a time when I was not prepared to go. Why I'm still here, I, I thank God for it. We can all thank God for the life that He has given us. God is a God of grace. God is a God of love. And there's some beautiful verses in chapter 4 here that I'd like to read. Verse 6, chapter 4. But He giveth more grace. Wherefore He saith, God resisteth the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your, your hearts, you double-minded. Life is difficult sometimes. Temptations are real. And in the heat of temptations, it can be extremely hard to live wisely, to make the right choices. But God says, if we resist the devil and we draw near to God, God will give us grace. God will give us the strength that we need to live our vapor, to live in victory, to live our vapor in victory. And I will encourage you in this, as you think about your life, again, life, the future is unknown. It doesn't need to be scary. It should be scary if we are not right with God because life is uncertain. But it doesn't need to be scary if our sins are washed by the blood, if our sins are cleansed, and we know that it is okay. When my life comes to an end, or when your life comes to an end, it's okay because our sins are washed by the blood of the Lamb. 
And that is the beautiful promise, the beautiful hope that we have. We don't need to live in fear. So as you make choices this week, as you live the vapor that God has given you, as you, Lord willing, wake up tomorrow and face a new day, will you choose to live wisely, recognizing that God, yeah, your life is in God's hands? We don't know when our vapor will end. This has been a big challenge to me. It continues to be a big challenge. And I want to encourage you in that to live this little mist or vapor that God has given you to live it well and to live it wisely. So God bless you as you seek to do that here at Myerstown, wherever God calls you this week. Will you live your life wisely? Live that vapor that God has given you wisely. Let's all stand for prayer. And then after the prayer, Eddie, if you can just have a verse of song for closing, after that song, you can be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you for life and the gift of life that you have given each one of us. We recognize that life is uncertain, that life is short, and James tells us life is a vapor. I pray that each one of us, we be reminded of that reality, that even though it might not feel like a vapor, even though sometimes it might seem long and it might seem very difficult, help us to recognize how short it is and how eternity lies ahead. And I pray that you would... Give us a strength to make wise choices. I pray if your spirit has spoken to anyone individually and they are not right with you, I pray that today would be the day that they would surrender their life to you, that they would not harden their heart, and they could rest assured when they confess and are honest with their life that they can find forgiveness and they can find purpose in life and that they can have peace knowing that their life is in your hands. And I pray that you would... Just guide us this week. Help us to live with that awareness that our life is a vapor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.